Sunday morning or even a Sunday evening, Lord, but I just, um, I just pray that, Lord, because um, I believe you've given me this message for a purpose, Lord, and I just pray there's someone here that will have their hearts open, Lord, and will grab something from your word so that they can understand forgiveness more, but also to um, apply to their lives so that they can um, have better relationships with people and um, be a better testimony for you. God, I just pray you'd work in my speech. Let it be clear, concise, and easy to understand. And I just pray that I only say what you want me to say. I love you, Lord. In your holy and precious name I pray. Amen. First truth found in this verse is that forgiveness is painful. And that's probably going without saying. And I, so I have six points here. Just as a side note, I encourage you guys to write it down so you can look at it later. But our first point here, forgiveness is painful. And it goes without saying, we see in the beginning of this verse, verse 11, he shall see the travail of his soul. The act of God forgiving us was painful for him. We see in Matthew 26, verse, verses 38 through 39, you don't have to turn there, but this is Jesus when he's uh, praying to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Then saith he unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tear ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. See, Jesus, you know, we all see Jesus as a person who, well, obviously God, but you know, God in the flesh who did everything perfect, did everything the way he's supposed to, but he, he also was a person too. He was in flesh and things were difficult for him and he received pain, he received hunger. And he had to fight against those. There's always something to go over to forgive someone. Perhaps it's pride, maybe bitterness, or even laziness. Or it could be something more innocent, like having to embrace the pain or experiencing a changed life or sacrificing your own wants. But it's okay and natural to feel this conflict that you're trying to go through. Because that's something that we all experience when we're about to forgive someone. If there's something that stands in the way and you're aware of it, you're on the right track. As you guys probably know, I've uh, done four years of rowing in my high school. And, uh, you know, I'll do practices sometimes. I'll be, you know, sitting on, sitting on the boat and just be rowing and everything like that. And what I'd try and do sometimes, I would uh, just sit down and kind of just let my oar drag a little bit. You know, I'm doing the motions, but I'm not really, like, pushing. I'm just letting my oar just breeze through the water, because there's seven other people on the boat, and they're, you know, they're pushing away on the boat and everything like that. But if I wanted to tell myself, hey, Justin, are you, are you carrying your weight? Are you carrying your weight with the boat? Then how do I know that is if I'm pushing the water, and I can feel that I'm actually pushing the water. If I don't really feel any tension at all at the water, I know I'm not really giving any push. So if, if there's something that you're fighting over, or if there's something that you are trying to get over, you know you're on, you're on your way to forgiveness. So I just encourage you guys with that. Guys, the very fact that there is something standing over you and trying to put you down, that is what you have to step over to reach the person for forgiveness. The Hebrew word for travail here literally means to toil or to be in wearing effort. Forgiveness requires work. So also my second point here. So we have forgiveness is painful, but we also have forgiveness is satisfying. We see here in the second part of uh, this phrase here, and he shall see the travail in his soul and shall be satisfied. 
Now, Justin, you just said that forgiveness was painful, but how, it can, how can it be satisfying at the same time? See, even though the experience of forgiving was painful, it was satisfying because Jesus, God, was after something bigger than just the experience itself. He was after us. And what he wanted more than just what he could do on earth. Jesus was more than, see, his ministry was on earth, but Jesus' goal was for eternity. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, Jesus was after something bigger, and the only way to forgive someone in the right spirit is to be after something else the person you want a relationship with. See, and God didn't even have to offer his son to us. He could have just, you know, blew us to side and say, hey, you know, I don't have to forgive you. But why did he offer his son? Because he wants to reunite a relationship with us. He had a purpose for that. He loved us and wanted that relationship with us. While hurt is often made between people who love each other, burdens that are heart like bitterness can stew in our hearts until our hearts are hard-boiled towards them. It could be a coworker, a friend, or even a spouse. But the best way to love people is to love God. 1 John chapter 4 and verses 7 through 8. Beloved, let us, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that Loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. See, it's here. See, it's saying if, if you don't know God, you're not going to love. But if you do know God, you are going to love. Those two, those two ideas of knowing God and loving others cannot separate. 1 John 4.12, the few verses after, No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. See, if, if you see someone, and you really can't see their heart, but if, you, if there's a person that loves other people, then that is evidence. You can count on that God is dwelling in his heart and that God's love is perfected in him, meaning that really God wants to give us love, but God's not going to change our minds. God is going to be able to love us as much as we let him. So if we love him, we're letting God love us. And that's how the relationship works. If you're letting God work in you, he's going to work through you to other people. To love God more and more, we just need to have a steady relationship with him. So you're already halfway through the month of January 2020. And I'm sure many of you guys made resolutions about maybe, hopefully about, you know, Bible reading and prayer and stuff like that to, you know, have your devotions, you know, more wrenching and more closer to God. First, I encourage you, if, if you haven't made one, you know, I encourage you to make one. But also, how many of you guys fell short of those? And maybe that's why you guys are having trouble forgiving other people. And now, looking at this next part of the verse, we see that, um, so he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. So I have a colon here, and now this is God speaking. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. So we're going to look at that whole phrase there. There are three key words here. that They're going to be my three next points here. Three key words. I just working well together because they really depend on each other. The three words are knowledge, righteous, and justify. So the first point I have is forgiveness is not forgetting. So we see that by his knowledge. 
See, Jesus did not forgive us by forgetting our sins. Now, before, now before I wave any red flags in your minds and everything like that, you know, we, we all know that, yo, God separates our sin from the east is from the west. And there are verses that I know that, you know, God, you know, God forgets, well, God does not remember our sins. Now, the two common, you know, well, first I would say that God is omniscient. Proverbs uh, 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. And that's not just every place in this time. God is existent throughout all time. God isn't constrained to time. His eyes, he is omnipresent and all-knowing. He's everywhere and he knows everything. So he's literally, he, he knows everything. But Justin, what about Isaiah 43, 25? I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. That's Old Testament. How about New Testament? Hebrews 12, 17. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. See, looking at this word remember, like, well, God doesn't remember our sins. Well, it depends on specifically how you define that word remember. See, remember in these verses do have a similar meaning to each other. Let's first look at that uh, Isaiah 43, 25. The Hebrew word means to mark or mention. And this, this word is also used in Genesis 8, 1. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. See, this is the time when God, you know, let the flood, you know, let the rain and everything fall after the world was flooded for 40 days. Or sorry, yeah. But like after the world was flooded, God like ceased everything and said that God remembered Noah. Well, did, did God lose memory of Noah while the flood was happening? No. See, it means to bring to mind rather than retain memory. See, God, God was thinking about Noah. So God thought about Noah and every living thing and all the cattle and God assuaged the waters. Now let's look at Hebrews 10, 17. This Greek word means to remind or bear in mind. And we see this uh, use also in Matthew 26, 75. This is when Peter like, realized God said, hey, the crow, the crow, the, the, the rooster, the cock, the cock will crow three times and, you know, I, before you uh, betray me. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said to him, before the cock grow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. It's not that Peter was not just this knowledge was taken away from that. It was that he was brought to his mind again, just like I was seeing the Old Testament verse. It means more to be reminded rather than to retain the memory. It's not that God forgets our sin, but he does not put the sin he has forgiven us on his mind. He doesn't say, he doesn't say, oh, well, you know, you did this sin before, you know, so I'm going to accuse you and things like that. It's, I've forgiven you. And your, your, your sin is cleaned. You know, I'm not going to, like, in terms of heaven, like, I've forgiven you. Jesus has paid for your sins. So that is, it's just to forgive you, and I've forgiven you for that. And that's what that's saying there. But what does this mean for us? We should not attempt to forget what the person has done to us because really serious offenses to us are going to really change our lives. And we're going to be forced to remember those consequences, to remember because of those consequences, and that pain is just going to occur again. Rather, forgiveness is a conscious decision. Rather, it is, it is justifying. And that's where I go to my next, uh, next point here. You know, we're going to skip over knowledge, but just go to justify here. 
Forgiveness is justifying. When Jesus saved you from your sin, he declared you righteous. And this is what justifying means, to declare righteous. When our Savior died on the cross, he knew about all the sin you were ever going to do in your lifetime. And he forgave you of all of it. See, we, we don't know the future ourselves, but for us, that means that having a spirit of forgiving the, the other continuously, even if mistakes are made. We've seen Matthew 18, 21 through 22. Then came Peter to him, to Jesus, and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? Shall I forgive him till seven times? And Peter's, you know, Peter's really smart here. You know, I know your magic number, God. I, you know, seven times means forever, right? So just forgive him seven times, right? Well, you know, looking through here. Jesus saith unto him, I say not thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. You know, God, you're basically, are you going to really count seventy times seven, how many times you forgive someone? Guys, just keep forgiving the person, because that's what God has done for you. He's seen all of your sin, he's seen everything that you do, and he's forgiven you for all of it. And that gives us an example for us to forgive other people. When we forgive, we need to be prepared to make that decision repeatedly. And there's, honestly, this goes with every decision we make spiritually. An altar is a decision only made effective if you make it again when you're at work or at home or wherever your family, anywhere. But you, you are going to be tempted to bring up uh, that problem again. See, God does not rem- remember, quote-unquote, remind himself about our problems God doesn't, you know, say attack back. Like I was saying before, you know, God doesn't just say, well, you know, I've, you know, you've done this. So, you know, really, are you really deserving of that? You know, God forgave us. He's cleansed us from our sin. But this does not mean that we ignore the problem. See, when, when you are trying to solve the problem of the person you're forgiving, you're not attacking the person. You love the person, so you want to fix what's wrong with them, right? When you're justifying, you focus on the person and attack the problem, instead of focusing on the problem and attacking the person. It's really about who you're, what you're attacking and what you're focusing on. What's your goal here? Is your goal just to you know, look at the problem and just attack the person, or you're looking at the person and attacking the problem? Reactions of anger or self-defense are likely rooted in a lack of love. If, you're, if your method of trying to right somebody is something angry or Maybe you're just acting in self-defense. You're probably not doing it in the forgiving spirit. A forgiving spirit is going to be more like, hey, you know, I, I've read this in the Bible, you know, having a great spirit about it. You know, I've read this, you know. And if the person doesn't do it, you know, you've still forgiven them. And you're really going to, you're going to try and solve them. But that's not going to change how you've forgiven the person. And this also means that we don't not demand anything in return. And this goes to my second point that, Forgiveness is also unconditional. And we go back uh, to the righteous servant here in this verse. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. See, forgiveness is not about like, who deserves what, who deserves when or which, whatever. But it's about repairing that relationship. Jesus, who did not sin once, offered forgiveness to us. It's not about, you know, oh, what do I deserve? He didn't ever ask that. But Justin, how can I forgive him what he did to me? But like like I'm saying, you're missing the point. The point is to resolve that conflict. Many times our first instinct is to defend ourselves, but we just need to die to ourselves. When we start defending ourselves, we just need to tell ourselves, hey, you know, Justin, you know, really, what's your focus right now? 
you know, what are you aiming towards? Are you, are you just acting out in the flesh and you're not really going anywhere? Are you just going for yourself? Or are you looking out for this person? Because oftentimes, may, the people that we love or are closest to us will often do that to people without realizing it. And what did Jesus do for you? The fact that even with all of your sin, all of the things you've done wrong to him, all of the ways you've betrayed him, and Jesus, who's infinitely holy and perfect, forgave you of every one. That shows that this kind of forgiveness is indeed possible. Again, it's all about having love coming from God. This unconditional forgiveness requires unconditional love. And we know that, you know, from John, from 1 John 4, that this comes from having a relationship from God. Ask God to give you that power. And keep that goal in your mind that the relationship needs to be mended once again. This is what forgiveness, this is what forgiveness fixing a relationship looks like in my next point. Forgiveness is finally bearing. Forgiveness is bearing. Let's, let's look at the last part of this verse here. For he shall bear their iniquities. See, when you forgive, you're taking whatever they would have needed to do to win you back. But you go, you take that and you tell yourself, I don't need that to love that person. When Jesus died on the cross for you, for your sins, he's telling you that, hey, I don't need you to prove that you love me, that you, know, you can do good things for me. I've forgiven you of your sin. I don't need you to prove it. Because really, while I, and this is God talking, while I deserve all your worship and all your praise, everything that you do, I'm not going to make that a requirement because I know you can't do that for me. Can we ever worship God and praise God enough in the way that he deserves? And neither... Is a person who's offended you ever going to satisfy you unless you forgive that person? Don't think for a second that he can make God love you more than he already does. Again, there's nothing that that other person is going to do to make you feel better except if you forgive him. You have the opportunity to lift the burden that the other offender has. Do you love him or her enough to do that? Here in closing, let's just look at Ephesians 4 here. Turn to Ephesians 4. This is a, very, uh, this is a verse I've used a lot for forgiveness. And looking here, studying for this message actually, I found something new in this verse that brought a lot of light on forgiveness. And it's a theme for my message. At the end of the chapter here, Ephesians 4, 32. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So the common, really the common phrase here, the common thing to go along with this is that, you know, because God has forgiven you for all of your sin, because really you've sinned so much more, and, you know, God is so much more holy, you know, surely you can let some, you can forgive someone for the little they've done for you, which is, you know, which is true, but I don't think this verse is trying to guilt us into forgiving another person. See, this, this verse isn't saying Forgiving one another because God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. It's saying, even as. Forgive one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. God is giving us a command here. Hey, the way I've forgiven you for all of your sin, for everything that you've done in your whole life, before you even knew me, before the world even ever existed, I knew everything that you do that is wrong. Every menacing thought, every deliberate disobedience to me, I knew you were going to do. 
And I forgave you of all of that. And I've given you infinite love and I still fellowship with you today even after I've offered you heaven away from hell. And I want you to have the same forgiving spirit to other people. Can we do that though? Not by ourselves. We need the love of God in our hearts. We need God's spirit in us. This is what we need to do. I encourage you guys to take these six points to heart. That forgiveness is painful. Forgiveness is satisfying. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is justifying. Forgiveness is unconditional. And forgiveness is bearing. Take these points to heart. Look them over, you know, study the Bible yourself about them. And ask God to help you forgive the right way. And take action on these every day. This, in, this is including small and big problems. Because, you know, how are, we, how are we going to be able to deal with the big ones if we can't deal with the small ones? You know, even little minor things. Say, you know, I forgive that person for doing that. Even if it doesn't offend you that much, still forgive the person for it. If I can have everyone bow their heads real quick. Uh, just bow their heads and um, just, uh, you know, who do you need to forgive today? And if it's okay, I'd like to just uh, have a moment of prayer and silence. Who do you need to forgive in your life that, you know, you don't have a good relationship with? Do you need to ask for God's love to forgive someone? Or what area of forgiveness have you been missing and want to get it right with God? I'll give you a moment of silence, and uh, Brother Laterno, you can come up when uh, you feel the time's ready.